that. He is um, in Birmingham. He's been in three cities this week. His business is like taken off, and I'm like, honey, where are you? <laughs> and so is he. So he's been on um, six planes, and he's on his way back tonight, but he couldn't be here. So he apologizes, and um, he gave me permission to share some of his really corny jokes. So they're awesome. They're awesome. He's a farm boy, and um, so he he talks in parables, and we all have to go. And then we get it, you know, when our eyes are opened, we have eyes to see, ears to hear, <clears throat> just like Jesus. All right, so. Um, one of the things I did want to tell you about giving, um, when Jeremy was talking, he was talking um, from Luke 11, and he was talking about just, just having access to the riches in heaven. When we have hearts that, that, that joyfully give, that gladfully give, what happens is that there's actually an account in heaven that we can access. There's, it's a checkbook in heaven. There's a treasury in heaven that, that we can, can ask daddy for. You know, he told us that grace has been appointed to us from the beginning of time. And so that means that everything that we need to fulfill the holy calling in our lives, grace has already been appointed and it is in an account in heaven. So everything that you need is in that place. So when, if I, if I, you know, I don't beg and I, I don't really even have to ask. I just go to that account in heaven and I get what I need. And I just sit down, can I make a, can I make a withdrawal? You know? And, and I do. And then within a week, I get breakthrough. Sometimes it's 10 days, sometimes it's two weeks. But within that time frame, I see breakthrough. So, so being generous with our money just gives us access to all of the all of the currency of heaven including the gold including the silver he said all the gold and the silver is mine so i just want you to be encouraged that that as you give you just loose the hand of the father you know amen, amen. you should try it it's a lot of fun all right Took my glasses on, and the microphone just went into my mouth. <laughs> That's kind of weird. All right, so we're going to talk about biblical dating, courtship, and love. And, um, you know, it's Valentine's, so we like to do this um, once a year. Usually, John is up here with me. Uh, but what we're going to do tonight is, is we're going to have kind of a question-answer session afterwards. And um, Bob is going to pass out cards and pins. So if you want to ask questions about dating, about courtship, about love, about anything that you have questions about, I want you to raise your hand because we're going to go ahead and give you cards. So while I'm teaching, you guys can be writing your questions down, just going, okay, what do I want to ask? And the reason that, um, that I don't have you just come up here is because a lot of people are shy about some of the things they want to ask, so this way you can be, um, you can be nameless and faceless. All right, everybody gets a card. Thank you, guys. My help here. They're administrative. Right. All the single people are like. Chad, I just love you so much. Just, 
Just throw the cards in the air, and whoever picks them off the ground, have a card. Now listen, here's the deal. I want you guys to ask hard questions. You know, ask these questions that are like, I don't know why this is the situation. All right. So the complexities in courtship are many. And I'm going to talk about love and, and courtship and dating from a biblical perspective. But I'm also going to share with you a lot of my experience because I've, I've, I've counseled a lot of people. And I've, I hear a lot of stories. I hear from women and I hear from men and I hear the longing of their hearts. You know? And um, so I'm going to share a lot of that. Now, some of the things that I'm going to tell you are not absolutes. There's always um, an exception yeah. to these absolutes. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you really what I feel like the Bible says about dating, about courting, about love, about passion. And um, But, you know, again, there's exceptions to that because we live in a culture that is different than the one, of course, back when Jesus was walking around. All right. Um, what I've learned from being around a lot of single people is there seems to be a lot of confusion and a lot of cloudiness when it comes to dating. You know, it's like all of a sudden they became Christians and it became this huge mystery. Like when you weren't a Christian, dating was like, well, you know, you go out on dates, you date people, but all of a sudden you become Christian and you think the rules change. It's like the rules of engagement, you know? How do I engage with the opposite sex? Whoa, I'm a believer. What is this letter? How do I? I don't know. So I, hopefully I'll take some of the mystery out of this. And I don't want this to just be, oh, hey, I'm going to talk to you about this. But I'm really believing in an impartation tonight. Okay, beloved? I am really believing that we're going to break through some, some ungodly beliefs and some ungodly mindsets and begin to set people free so that you can fall in love and get married. <laughs> Gotta have some babies. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, here's the deal. <laughs> That's what it's all about, as far as I'm concerned. If those babies fall in the ground. So I want to tell you a little story about how John and I got together. So, John, a single father with four teenagers, and I was a single mother with two. And we had all of these teenagers. And so they all went to the same school and they ended up befriending one another. And um, they ended up being at each of our houses. And, and they thought, they really enjoyed one another and they loved their friendships and they were very close. And I got to know his kids and he got to know my kids. And, and um, so Ashley, thank you, Bella. Ashley thought it would be a great idea along with um, her sister Bliss if 
uh, they uh, parent trapped John and I. <laughs> so uh, they got together and they decided that they wanted to be sisters and uh, that would require John and I getting together. So they set it up. So they talked to him and they talked to me and I said, absolutely not. It's just not going to happen. I'm not dating one of my daughter's fathers. That is a recipe for disaster. I hadn't even met the guy yet. So I, I meet him and the day that I meet him, it was like uh, a week before the Super Bowl. Anyway, so I meet him and um, he's got his hands in his pocket and he's doing the strangest thing. He's looking at me and he's rocking. <laughs> he has this look like, like he's staring through me and I went, Oh, I'm so creeped out right now. <laughs> so I made a beeline for the door, and by the time I got home, well, my telephone's ringing. And that's when you had landlines, okay? That was a couple of years ago. <laughs> anyway, my phone's ringing, and, and he's asking me out on a date. <clears throat> now, this man does not have a problem with the art of pursuit. He does not have a problem with seeing something and saying, I want that. Okay? So, game on, he starts the pursuit, and, I, and I've got out of stiff arming, which is typically the case, men. Women will naturally put up the arm, because they want to see what you're all about before they let you come to the elbow. Okay? So on and so forth. You know how that goes. <clears throat> so uh, I had the arm out, and John uh, was pressing through that arm, and I just we went out on a date. Actually, uh, the kids had to take him because he he was kind of square. What would you call him? He, he was wearing jeans. It was really bad. Jeans were these baggy. It was just not good. So the kids took him out. My, I don't know if you went, but the, Ashley, thank you. Bless Ashley, everyone. She, she took him shopping and she bought him some date clothes. So he comes and he picks me up and I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. So we go out on kind of this date and I just had a bad attitude the whole time. And I said, you know what? I really don't think this is a good idea. You know, I explained to him the whole scenario. You know, it just never works out, and then we'll break up, and then the kids, and they have this relationship, and it'll be weird and awkward and whatever. So he said, hey, that's fine. I said, you know, we're just going to be friends. How's that? And he said, friends, that works for me. Friends is good. So uh, he didn't mind standing at the end of the arm for however long it took, right? And um, so we became friends, and we began to carpool, and that was a really safe place for me because I didn't... Uh, there was no other, there was not another father, and there was not another mother in the scene. So we were truly single parents. And um, so, um, yeah, where was I? Okay, right. First date. Friends. So we ended up like leaving other dates to go and, and hang out together. We'd go run. I was kind of more of a walker, but he was really generous with me. He'd run backwards like this. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm walking fast. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, we, would, we had a great time, really enjoyed one another as friends. And um, we just began to spend more and more time together. Our kids all really loved each other. And um, 
One day, one day, he was dropping Ashley off from some cheerleading event. You know, when you have cheer, when you have teenagers, you're a taxi driver, and um, going from one location to the other. And so we were sharing all of our duties, and um, he would take care of my dog when we got out of town. Which, by the way, he lost. He lost my dog. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm not really a big dog person, so I was like, oh darn. Okay. <laughs> Remember that dog? They used to jump on people. They'd come in the house and then they'd keep pee all over them. And they were like, oh, that was not good for the guys that would come pick me up on dates. All night long, it was like, do you remember that dog's name? Abby. Yeah. I want to tell you the dog that Abby replaced and then the dog that got replaced by Abby. But anyway, we have, okay, dog, no, no more dog stories. I know I, people that love dogs, they really love dogs, so I don't want to offend anyone. All right, don't want to make you stumble. All right, so anyway, uh, okay, so, so one day he's dropping Ashley off and I'm in, I'm like in my old faded, gross, terry cloth robe and you know, it's like, hey John, come on in. And so I'm, he's, he's talking and everything, and all of a sudden, I went, wait a minute, you're good looking. <laughs> Why didn't I ever notice this before? And, and, this, and I just said, remember when you wanted to take me out on a date? You know, you still want to date me? And I told, I'm asking him this as he's walking out to his car, and he spins around on a dime, and he goes, yeah, where do you want to go? What time do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, all right. <laughs> anyway, the rest is history. It was, a, it was a bumpy ride along the way, but um, finally, um, he, he agreed to not be single anymore. Um, but there were a lot of lessons that I learned throughout our courtship as he was dating me. You know, the thing about how he pursued me, he didn't pursue me to date me. He genuinely was a friend to me. And my heart that had been so wounded in the past, um, I couldn't even get to the place where it was soft enough to say, I'll date you because I didn't date nice guys. And I didn't date guys that were kind and generous. I always thought nice guys were boring. You know, did y'all ever see that movie? Um, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, whatever, I don't want to reference that one. Scratch <laughs> um, um, So anyway, it really took that kind of friendship where he did things for me like, he fixed my stuff. He fixed a dishwasher that was broken. He, I was having a garage sale. Now ladies, we weren't even dating. I was having a garage sale and I worked literally 12 to 16 hours a day because I was up talking to China at night. And um, so I'm having this garage sale and I had did nothing to prepare for it. And the girls had a birthday party that night and the next morning, I was gonna have a whole band of people at my house knocking on my door at 7.30 and I had a garage full of junk. Nothing had been organized or tagged or anything. So I come home from the birthday party 
and he is sitting in my driveway and had just finished cleaning out my garage, organizing it for the, 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 um, the um, garage sale and tagging everything. And I'm like, I've never known this kind of friendship. I've never known this kind of, uh, of service, this kind of love. And, and it, may, it just began to make my heart melt. So I want you to hear what I'm going to say to you because I'm talking to the men and I'm talking to the ladies today. Because men, I will tell you, it is your privilege to break down the walls of the women's heart. It is your privilege. It is, it is what you were created to do. Every woman knows that there is a knight in shining armor out there for her. Where do you think those stories came from? That is a biblical precedent that Jesus set for us. And he showed us how he drew us into his heart. You see, in the beginning, God created man in his image, right? What he was looking for is a companion, because God had wanted to have intimacy and to walk with a companion and to live together with us. He still wants that with us today. Will you be my companion? So there's a longing in each heart of man to have a companion. Because we're made in the image of God just as Adam was. And even Adam said, God I have you, but I have a longing for a companion that is equal to me, that is like me. And so God said, hey, I know what. <clears throat> She's actually on the inside of you, and I'm going to pull her out, and the two of you are going to have a great life together. And she's going to look just like you. She's going to be bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. It's a great story. And even before the fall, he said, Adam, look, here she is. Isn't she beautiful? This is your wife. I've called her to be your partner and your helpmate. That the two of you living together will be a completion of who I am in the earth. So the longing that we have in our hearts is a longing for love and it's a longing for companionship. Don't ever try to shut that down. Don't let career, don't let Oh, I gotta, I gotta do a list of things before I will allow myself to awaken to love. I'm telling you, when love knocks on your door, you need to say, come in. I don't care how old you are. They used to get married when they were 14. You know? Well, okay, don't get married when you're 14. But you know what I mean. Culturally, that would be unacceptable. But they did. Mary was very young. All right, so in the beginning, da-da-da-da, two human relationships. The very first thing, the very first human relationship was that of a husband and a wife. The second relationship was that of a family, where they then created a man in their image. So the primary longing that we have is for a husband and a wife, and the secondary longing that we have is to procreate and to have children that are made in our image so that 
the family can be completed. And the reason that God did this is because he wanted for generation after generation after generation, forever and ever, for all of eternity, he wanted a witness of his love to be evident in the generations. And he wanted you to be able to understand how he feels about you. So he gives us husbands and wives and children. Because he wanted to see us as the bridegroom. He wanted us to see him as the bridegroom. Therefore, we have a husband. Right? He wanted us to see him as a father. Therefore, we have children and we have parents. So he wants to reveal all of the aspects. And the completion of this happens through this covenantal relationship. All right? So, let's talk about courtship and awakening love. Okay, when it, let's turn to Song of Solomon, chapter 1. <coughs> what? Yeah, we already passed him out. Oh, Matthew didn't get a card. <laughs> Not calling you out, brother. And his will be on the ready. <laughs> nice. I had a couple cards. I have lines. All right. You ever wonder why in Song of Solomon it says, Don't awaken love before it's time? I believe what he was saying there is don't awaken love in the wrong way. I believe that what he was saying there is that the, the art of pursuing a woman in love and doing it in a way that is gentle and kind and loving and passionate and romantic is really the way to awaken love. Because it's that, it's that, it's that slow moving, it's that gentle song that begins to cause the walls of her heart to come down. And this man who wrote that book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, I'm like, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I Kissed Dating Goodbye, that's what we were created to do. We were created to pursue love. I think what he probably meant to say is you need to kiss having sex before marriage goodbye. <laughs> But really, I mean, let's get real. That's And Jeremy and Ashley are, can answer a lot of those questions because they did this so well. You know, the art of the pursuit and, the, and, and really keeping it, keeping it real and pure before marriage. So, I mean, it can be done. And, and there are really good and positive ways to do it in a community who will be like, don't be doing that. <laughs> All right. I love having my daughter in the front row because she loves my accents. Whoa, did it just get darker in here? All right. All right. Song of Solomon. One, two. All right. This is the Shulamite. This is the woman who is being pursued. She says this. Song of Solomon. One, two. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Because of the fragrance of your good ointments, your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love, love you, 
draw me away. And so she's saying when she says draw me away, what she's saying is that I know the reputation of this man. I know that he's actually, it's like a fragrance. The reputation of this man is a good reputation. And she has set a standard for her life. She's not exactly sure how it's going to be achieved, but she knows what she's looking for in a husband. And when she says, she's saying, draw me away, she's saying that to this man. And what she's saying is, discover me. Come and seek out the treasure that I have within the locked place in my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Preaching to the men. And then she says this in verse 5. I am dark but lovely. And in verse 6, do not look upon me because I am dark, because the sun has tanned me. So she has this thing going on where she's really kind of double-minded. Because, and, and, and I've heard a lot of men going, you know, these women are just schizophrenic. You know, they don't want you, they do want you. They don't want you, they do want you. And I went, uh-huh, that's right. Because the, they, they know that they are lovely. They know that they are a beautiful woman. But yet, they're insecure in so many ways. And they're also, they're guarding their hearts so closely that they're like, I'm dark, but I'm lovely. But I'm dark, but I'm lovely. And so there's a little bit of that going on. And it really does. It's like a, it's like, it's like a man that goes into a landmine situation. Pursuing a woman a lot of times, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. But that's why, you know, I mean, you got to have courage to do this. Men have to have courage. And you have to say, I am going, I want that. You know, I mean, you've just got to get it and you've got to be like, I, she's going to be mine. Yeah. Come on. All right. Verse nine. This is the beloved. This is, this is the bridegroom. And he's saying to her, I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. Then he goes down. And he says this, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove eyes, meaning your single-mindedness. You're, you're gazing at me. You see me, and I see you. And then she says this back to him, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. And so she's beginning to respond to the things that he's saying about her. She's actually, the walls are beginning to come down. And she's beginning to say, wait a minute. So that, that double-mindedness is actually being corrected by his love. Just like when John was pursuing me, and I couldn't see him because my heart was so wounded and my heart was so locked up. So I couldn't see who he was, but through his friendship and his kindness and his goodness, those things began to unlock me, and I began to say, I am the Rose of Sharon. The things that you say about me are true. And if I believe that about me, then how much more am I awakened to give you love? And so then she goes down in verse 10 and she says this, my beloved spoke and said to me, rise up my love, my fair one, and come away. So he is saying that she's repeating what he said to her and he's wooing her into his heart. And he's saying, rise up and come out of that dark place that you've been in. 
For lo, the winter is past, and the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is in the land. The fig tree puts off her green figs, and the vines her tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Remember, she said, draw me away. And that's exactly what he's doing. And then he says this, Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And so he's saying the things that are coming out of your heart, because out of the, out of the mouth the heart is speaking, so the things that are beginning to come out of her mouth, even about herself, are, in, are transforming her from the inside. So his love is changing her. And she is becoming even more lovely. So I know that a lot of, and I've heard this, this whole philosophy of perfection and wanting this perfect guy or this perfect girl. Let me just break the news to you. That person doesn't exist. In Goodwill Hunting, there was a line there where Robin Williams was talking to Matt Damon. Thank you. Goodwill Hunting. Isn't that what I said? Anyway, uh, anyway, so he was hunting, and um, he found this girl, and, and he had really kind of pushed her away because, you know, he made all of these excuses. Why? Because he was afraid he was going to get hurt, and you've got a lot of that. A lot of the singles in this church are very prickly. I'm just going to tell you. You're very prickly. You're very scared of getting hurt, so therefore you, whoop, you run away before they can get to you. Whoop, you run away before they can get to you because you don't want to get hurt, you know? But this is what Robin Williams said. He said this. You know what? She may not be. There it is. He said this. He said, you know, it doesn't, you know, she may not be perfect. In fact, I can guarantee you she's not. She's going to have her flaws. There are going to be things about her that, you know, aren't perfect. And I think he actually mentioned about, never mind, I won't tell you what he, you remember that part when he was talking about his wife? And, okay. in bed. I won't talk about that. I just talked about it. <laughs> so this is the point that I'm trying to get to. He said that she may not be perfect, but the thing is, is she perfect for you? You know? Because here's the thing. It's like a scale. It's like a scale. Everybody you meet is going to have good stuff. And they're going to have not so good stuff. But the key is, do they have a teachable heart? Do they have a teachable heart? You know, do they love Jesus? And to say, oh, well, here they are on the scale of Jesus. I'm here and they're there. Or I'm here or they're there. Whatever. Really get over it. Are you in love or are you not? You know, that's what matters. Love covers a multitude of things, you know? And, um, and, and you just have to say, does this person, do they make my heart come alive? Do they, do they love me? Do they, do they care for me? Are they causing my heart to melt on the inside? You know? Are they tapping into those deep places of intimacy? Are they pursuing me in a way that I deserve to be pursued? 
Are they loving me and caring for me in a way that's causing me to respond? Because ladies, if you, if you are not being pursued in that way, I can tell you, uh, you need to go on down the road. Did I say something funny, Elizabeth? No. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so this is the single woman. And she knows the man called the beloved. And she is looking for her knight in shining armor. Okay? So here's what I want to tell you about dating. <clears throat> Go do it. <laughs> I don't care, don't, don't sit around and go, well, but I don't know if he's the one. Who cares? If you think, I'm telling you, this whole thing of waiting around for Mr. Right is gonna get you rusty, okay? It's gonna make you slow and, here's, okay, here's the point I'm trying to make. Momentum creates momentum. Ladies, get out there and start saying yes. Okay? It may not be Mr. Right, but here's the thing. You're going to get food. <laughs> You're going to get wine and dine. He's going to tell you how beautiful you are. You get to, okay? And the girls will understand this because it's not about where you go, but it's about what you wear. Right, ladies? And so you get to wear cute clothes, date clothes. Come on. And if he says, where do you want to go? You can go. <laughs> but be kind. But here's what happens. If you keep saying, well, he's not my husband, I'm telling you, what's going to happen is you're going to look up in 20 years and you're going to wonder, well, maybe one of those guys that asked me out may have been the guy. All right, so that's with the ladies. Now, with the men, I really want to talk to you because. These ladies are sitting around and they're, um, they're not going to, they're not going to pursue you. They're not. It, you have to pursue them. And the same principle applies to you. Don't sit around waiting for like comets to go off when she walks in the room or angels with hearts to be playing over her. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. Start asking these women out. Momentum creates momentum. What happens is that when you get into the art of going out with the opposite sex, your body actually begins to produce a chemical. And what that does is that actually creates more activity. Activity begets activity. Guys, listen to me. If you want to get married, you go over and find a girl and ask her out. Is she Mrs. Wright? I don't know. Maybe. You don't know. Because possibly on the inside is this Song of Solomon, is the Shulamite. And your love may begin to awaken her. I have seen people transformed. They don't even look the same when they fall in love. I had daughters. They look completely different after their husbands pursued them and broke down the walls that were all around their hearts. And I was like, dang, you're looking good, honey. <laughs> Why? Because they were in love. They're in love. Dating gets the crustiness off you. 
And let me tell you something, boys. If you get shot down, dust yourself off and get back in the game. I mean, that, you have got, you know, and the thing is, the good news is you're getting really good at pursuing, right? So just find another one. Oh, look, there's another one. And just, I mean, here's the thing. Some guys have waited so long to engage in dating that they don't even know how to talk to a woman. So the more that you do this, the, the better you'll get at it. And so when the woman is that you want to marry comes along, then you're going to be very suave <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. You know, you'll be able to talk. You'll be able to communicate. You'll be able to love her the way that she really deserves to be loved. Right? And women, please be gentle with these men. You are like foreign creatures today. I mean, you're a female yeah. Very good. Thank you, Matthew. Who did, Jared? Phil? Nice. Phil. It's true. It's true. But they're really not foreigners. And, and this whole, and another, I want to dispel another idea that there's one person in the whole world that God made for you. That is not true. That is not biblical. I'm telling you, I, I, there, thank God that he, he put me with John, but, but had that not worked out, there would have been another guy down the line, you know, that I would have had to, you know, housebreak him. <laughs> Thank goodness John isn't here, he'd be like, what? <laughs> but you know what I mean. I mean, really. That's, it, God gives us mates to help one another get to the destiny and the calling that God has for us. So everybody's going to have their thing. Everybody's going to have their baggage. Everybody has their stuff. Just go for it. Don't let any more time pass you by. Now's the time to get married. Now's the time to have babies. Now's the time. <laughs> All right, so here's what I want to do. I, um, Jeremy, Ashley, y'all want to come on up? All right. <clears throat> yes, that was my daughter. All right, so do we have the cards? Oh, can we get the cards? Oh, y'all can. While we're doing that, can I say a few things? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, First of all, um, I love going to a church where I get offended every once in a while. <laughs> Is he talking about me? No, no, no. I want to say that I, I thoroughly agree with everything that Tracy said tonight, but I do know that um, a lot. Like this is some this is an issue that's so closely tied to uh, heart, our hearts and, and wounds in the past, and we don't want to unnecessarily offend anyone in the room. But I do agree with everything Tracy said, and um, I've got about two minutes worth of notes, real quick. Um, you know, being pursued heals you. Being pursued heals you, and it awakens things about your identity. It, it reveals your identity. This is the same for men and for women. That's true. Jesus pursued me. 
He, he chased me down in, in the prisons of depravity that I'd gotten myself into and pursued me and won my heart. And when I realized that he valued me like that, it healed me. And it's, and it's the same way for, for men pursuing women. And there will be times when um, men get shot down in their lives or something happens, their hearts get broken in some way, and the woman actually has to pursue the man at that point. And, and it's a good thing. Not every relationship is the same. There's no formula to this. Okay, something else. Tracy mentioned the garden. Adam was in perfect communion with the Godhead, with the Trinity. He walked in the cool of the day with God. Don't you think that would be awesome? Did you know that God said, this is not good? He actually said, man's alone. And so, I want to dispel this romanticized idea that all you need in your life is God and no one else. Because it's not good for you to be alone. Okay? Hallelujah. <laughs> um, there are people with... Uh, this call to celibacy, I have no idea what kind of percentage of people that is. Um, and just, just want to throw that out there, maybe 0.1%. Again, we mean no offense by this, but Paul, he was single, and yet Paul had great revelation about love and marriage, which to me means that we don't have to go to the world to get revelation about love, relationship, marriage, and sex. Paul was a single man that knew the mysteries of Christ's heart and could, from Jesus, tell us all about marriage. Okay? Um, and also, um, when a man find oh my gosh, I actually wrote, when a man funds a wife, which is also true. <laughs> in Proverbs. Tracy said, we don't, we don't believe that there's just one for you out there. If you want to believe that, that's fine. We don't have any problem with it. But what we know from the Bible is that when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and obtains favor from God. Okay? <laughs> so I funded a wife and... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Seriously, marrying Ashley released so much favor in my life. If you don't have favor, men, you might just need a wife. Yeah, get a wife. When a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and obtains favor from God. And the way that that verse is worded, it's the man finding. When the man, it's, it, it just connotes this, go out and find her. Hunt, hunt her. And the belief that there's only, here's the, the, the problem I have with believing that there's only one is that it breeds fear. That you've made a mistake, this isn't the one. That, okay? If you, don't, if you can't find a reason biblically that a doctrine like that is not false, then the second thing you need to look to is the fruit of it. And the fruit of it, in my opinion, it's not good. It's not tasty. And that is all my notes.
good. Have you ever seen a man? Oh, I don't need that. Two. <laughs> okay. Have you ever seen a man pursue a woman? Have you ever seen how alive he comes? And how he strategizes and he plans it and he asks his friends what do you think about this do you think this would work how do you think she'd feel and I mean this whole thing comes alive in him he's trying to win her heart and it's and, and it, it does something in his heart so he comes alive in the pursuit and so it's just it's just perfection on both sides of, of that and I remember <laughs> And I remember when Jeremy was starting to pursue me, he sat down his guy friends and he was like, guys, you know I love you, but I'm not gonna be available for a little while because I'm going after this girl. Yeah. So they had, a, so friends, if your friends drop off the face of the earth, it isn't because they don't love you or because they've like run off to crazy town. It's because they're, you know, they're doing God's work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, okay, first one. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, Jeremy and I wanted to do quotes from stuff Christian girls say. Have anyone seen that video? Okay, my first one. Where is my Samson to break down the pillars of my loneliness? <laughs> At this point, I don't even need a David. I'd settle for one of his mighty men. Or what was it? <laughs> I think it goes to one of those non-spirit-filled churches. <laughs> I just know I'm a Ruth, but where's my Boaz? Okay. He's for fun. Okay. My tough question is, where is my rib? Oh, come on! We're not getting paid to be out here. What should women do when more than one of them are fond of the same man, or the other way around? Or, or yeah, well, obviously. How would they know? Immature. <laughs> we'll cover the marriage part on Sunday. Conflict resolution. Okay, who wants to feel that one? Um, Okay, what should women do when more than uh, one of them are fond of the same man or the other Or way they around? have several, like several guys, I guess, into them. Well, uh, you know, I don't think it really matters because, um, you know, I think when the guy is the one doing the pursuing, um, you know, when he pursues, then he chooses. If, and that's kind of just the way it is. And it's the same thing, I think, when um, several guys are pursuing the girl. For a quick story, 
There were a few guys who were interested in me when the time with Jeremy came around, and none of them. No, wait. They were all coming to our Bible study, and I was like, "Wow, look at all these guys that are here!" I thought I was so anointed. And then Jeremy like took her off the market, and they all laughed, and I was like, "Anyway." So the point being. They all kept hanging around and none of them actually took the time to actually pursue me. Jeremy asked me out and then everyone started getting upset and accusing him of having a Jezebel spirit. It was, it was a whole deal. Yeah, it, there was, they were testy. Um, but the thing is, is that he pursued. He asked me out instead of just hanging around the periphery, waiting to feel, how about now? How about no? Maybe. He actually went for it and he caught the fish. <laughs> Next. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Do you, if you want to address anything there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, from a girl's perspective, guys. Yeah, I mean, when a guy asks, listen, and as far as friendships, and you're all girlfriends, and the guy asks, let's say, you out or your girlfriend out, and she's the one, you just got to go back and away. Because. That's just the way it is. Territorialism will kill friendship and it'll kill the love story that somebody else is gonna have. Yeah, and you wanna make sure that you walk in, um, you, you know, you walk in love and not offense and you just bless it, you know, and let it happen, you know, and, and God may be dealing with your heart in the process as well, you know. And if that guy's not your husband, he's got someone even better for you. Yeah, come on. So okay, I like this question. Where is the line physically? <laughs> okay, okay. Ashley and I, um, we were so attracted, and still are, so attracted to oh, each other. Good. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the way it's supposed to be. It is the blessing of the Lord. When the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply, he placed a raging sexual desire in you, a healthy, godly sexual desire. Yeah. Seriously. It is from God. Maybe the word raging was too far. Okay, let me, let me back up. So when Ashley and I were dating, we discovered we were very physically attracted to each other, and we were also um, very in love with the Lord and doing ministry and wanted to uh, walk in purity. And, um, and so we, we had conversations with mentors and, and one of my old pastors, and uh, he basically asked, well, Where's the, where's the step-off point for where you guys, you know, get a little overheated? Uh, and we said, well, uh, probably right when we kiss. <laughs> and, he, and he said, get married. <laughs> he, he said, don't, don't do anything that arouses or awakens love before it's time, or before it so desires, and love desires to be awakened in God's timing, which is after you guys are married. Yes. <laughs> he, he, is very, 
He was very wise. He had very unconventional advice. He said, it doesn't matter if you have a year of college left. He said, I was in the same position when I married my wife, and my grades went up. <laughs> okay? And don't have long engagements. That's ridiculous. Come on. Again, yeah, get it done. Everyone has, everyone has a different story. Okay? Everyone has a different story, but as Tracy said, don't torture yourself. Is that fair? Yeah. All right. All right. So many women say, I'm just not ready to date yet, or I just got out of a relationship and I need more time to get ready or time to get better. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, no woman is too busy to get swapped off her feet. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's, I use that line. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. It's like Hitch said. When you just get out of a relationship, granted, you do need to do a little that. Give yourself a couple of weeks and then get back out there. <laughs> no, really, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, you know? Here's the thing. You need to, the, the thing is, is that the pursuit of a man causes your heart to come alive. One plus one equals two. It's the same formula every single time. If one of the guys was a loser or rejected or hurt you or broke your heart, don't let some guy tell you how beautiful you are. I mean, how bad can that be? And honestly, there are exceptions to this. There are people that have been incredibly wounded. They've got, you know, maybe it was a really abusive relationship. There's others healing that needs to take place, which obviously you're gonna know. But I think, you know, nine times out of 10, a lot of women, they're dealing with more emotional stuff coming out of that that isn't, you know, you know, need intensive counseling and maybe to go away to, you know, a facility somewhere. It's, you know, it's something that you just, it honestly, that pursuit that, you know, coming after you really opens it up. I think when I first started dating Jeremy, I remember telling him, I'm just really good with where God and I are right now. And I, you know, I've really wanted to, I mean, everything, every single thing I could throw at him, but the thing was, is that his pursuit is the thing that healed all those things in me that I made up as excuses to not go there. Yeah, that's good. Man. Man. <laughs> um, when, when somebody says, I'm not ready to date yet, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not this to, to ready to you know, be a wife or whatever, again, all of that takes care of itself in the dance of love, in the romance of love, oh, in the, it all, it all takes care of itself. So, so there's never an excuse not to date. You're going to have a good time. The person that you're with becomes a mirror for all of your issues and they, they just, trust me, they come out. Yeah, in a good way. In a re yeah, really good way. Does that answer that question? Sorry, I was reading some of these other questions. I missed that. <laughs> I'm just not ready today yet, or I just got out of a relationship and need more time to get ready or get better. Um, you know, uh, we can get healed by like a, an encounter with God or a word from God, but more times than that, we get healed by people representing God in our lives. That's what we said. <laughs> really, people, where are the oohs and ahs? Seriously, how many times have you it's been the blue healed? Eyes. It's the blue eyes. How many
many times have you been healed by a brother or a sister loving on you? And how many times have you been healed by Jesus Christ walking in your room and, and touching you, healing you? I would say that the ratio is probably 999 to 1. Okay. Hey, I want to read that, that question, but I'm going to handle it very tactfully. Well, I think that that's a good marriage question. We're going to be talking about marriage and family on Sunday, so we can okay. save that one. It, it's about sex. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we need to be talking more about sex in the church because there is a culture of shame that's been released because the body of Christ is, is afraid to talk about something that God invented. Okay. Oh, this is a quick one. I can, I can handle this one and another real quick. Why are the men of this church and the leadership always being presented as single, but uh, no one ever presents the women as single? Or are the women expected to ask the men out? Shouldn't it be the other way around? It would be nice to see the reverse. It seems like I apologize. From now on, I will point out every single woman. No, I will. I will. It seems right. Seriously. I'm not being sarcastic. Come on. My face says it. I will do it. I will do it. Um, here's the other one, real quick. Uh, how should we handle dating in a small community? Couldn't it be awkward if it doesn't work out for a little while? Yeah, it could be if it doesn't work out. Um, but life. Is not uh, Jesus doesn't say life is going to be comfortable. He says in this world you're going to have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so, just face that fear. Um, I I had this revelation that when Ashley and I were dating, she kept saying, "I'm going to hurt you," or you know, I've, I've broken up broken guys' hearts in the past. And uh, and I said, "You keep thinking that you can hurt me more than God can heal me." There it is again. And if you if you pursue well as well as you can, and if you let yourself be pursued as well as you can, you're gonna have nothing to be ashamed of when it doesn't work out, and the Lord will heal your heart. Okay, um, here's one. What if God? tells me someone is my husband or my wife, but they don't like me. <laughs> well, you know, if you've, if you've done the pursuit thing, and she just put up, you know, the arm, and it was an absolute no, not, hey, I just want to be friends, and you saw that there was an opening or whatever, then I, I would move on down the road. But there's a great, there's a great um, um, uh, principle in, in, again, in movement and in energy. Because when, when the Song of Solomon, in the Song of Solomon, remember when Jesus pulled away, she sensed the void. So if you're pursuing, 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 okay, Ashley, do this. Okay, stand up. Okay, you're going to walk towards me. Okay, okay, so walk towards me. Okay, and she's walking away, or he's walking away, right? then what you want to do is if you're the pursuer and you turn and do this, 
then the, the way she was, the posture that she or he was in will actually come up to an upright position. And then she'll be like, wait a minute, there's a void here. There's something, the, 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 that energy and that flow and that movement of pursuit has now been drawn away. And so there's more likelihood that there will be more of an engagement on her part. Because sometimes doing this causes her to go back. So what you want to do is kind of come to a neutral place. And that's what John did with me. He was like, okay, we're just going to be friends and I'm going to let you get to know me on that level and then just see where that goes. But he didn't try to do the friend and also press on a relationship. It was completely um, um, honest. He was honest in his friendship with me, which really allowed me to relax and to see who he really was. So, um, so it's kind of a dance. But, but listen, if, if it ends up not working out, you need to move on down the road. Don't waste your time and your, and your mental energy and your emotional energy being invested in something that is not going to happen. I've seen people last years pining for someone when in fact it's just never going to happen. And that's two or three years that, that there could have been, you know, openings and opportunities with, with other men or other women. Because typically with a prophetic word, <clears throat> any prophetic word you get, you can bring it forth. If it doesn't ring true, you put it on the shelf and you wait until God brings it back. Or, you, I mean, so either way, it goes where, you know, it comes to fruition. I think that's Ecclesiastes, oh, chapter 3. Cast your bread upon the waters, and after many days, it will return to you. If it's bread, it will return to you. If it's poison, it's going to sink. Um, and just side note, this is a really good question, so I wanted to add something to it's very honorable, and uh, it's an honorable thing, and a very respectable, and a very beneficial thing. If a woman is totally not interested, to be 100% honest and shoot yeah. the man down. Yeah, gently. Gently, but but directly, so that he knows. Just move on, and same same to guys. It is it's manipulation to string someone along. If you're if you're just. A, if you're afraid that you're not going to find someone better, so you're just stringing someone along, it's no point. It, I mean, because it's it's so true that so many times, <clears throat> I think communicating in general, we're so afraid to actually speak what we're really feeling, and so we either run from it, we either don't address it completely, or we try and use some sort of offhand comment way for them to get the picture. And I don't know about the rest of you girls, but what I've learned about men is they don't get in between the lines. <laughs> you really have to be direct. And in so doing so, you're, saying, you're really saving their heart. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to be very straightforward. But um, again, really, uh, you'll know, ladies, if someone is your husband because they'll be pursuing you and asking you out. And, and men, you will know that she's your wife because after a time, you know, of pursuing her, she's going to actually say, yes, I'll go out with you. If these things aren't happening over a period of time, then you need to go on down the road, really, and find the one because she's out there or he's out there. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier. Had Jeremy not pursued me the way he, he had, I probably wouldn't be here right now. I'd probably be like, 
out in California do? I started thinking about this the other day. I was like, what would I be doing and where would I be? You know, just like what were the pursuits of my heart and my life? And um, keep following that. Keep pursuing the things that are in your heart and the things that God has placed there. Because whoever you're made is will come alongside that. Um, but, I mean, if you stay in one place, you keep circling, you keep trying to wait for that, you're, it's, it's going to become stagnant waters. Um, I have a really good question here. When two people um, wait to be intimate until married or honeymoon, um, and maybe they end up in divorce or something like, uh, even when things, why do they end up in divorce or something, even if things are done the right way? Um, I think when God puts us in the situation, he gives, he gives us a recipe for, for protecting us. And that is, you know, don't have sex before you get married. I mean, I've known people that, you know, they had sex up to, you know, the day they got engaged and they were like, now we gotta do it God's way and they didn't, you know. And so they decided to abstain until they got married. And then when they got married, they had so many issues and things weren't like they were. I mean, there's reasons that God sets in place what he does. They can never recapture the excitement from before, or, you know. There's reasons that God places the rules and the regulations to protect us, but that doesn't equate to good marriage. A good marriage is work, it's communication, it's it's completely, it's not about the rules. The rules, yes, they're gonna set you up for what should be correct, but it also, coming alongside that takes all of the the, the work and the community, like I can't even go into communication enough. Um, especially if you're planning to get married or married, I'm, I wanted to say this night that I, Danny Silk's book, Keep Your Love On, is one of the best books on communication and relationships I've ever read. <clears throat> but uh, you, you too. Oh. I'm like, oh, are you, gonna, are you done? Yeah, did you want to go on that at all? No. You do good. Um, okay. Jeremy, why don't you go? <laughs> Okay, um, do you have any advice to girls on how to get asked out? I want to go on dates. Where do I find these dates? Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> wrote this is very funny. I love the way it's phrased. I want to go on dates. Where do I find these dates? <laughs> version of yourself. Be the, be the most marryable version of yourself. And I'm not saying put on a mask. Yeah. I'm not saying like, pre like pretend like everything's flowers and, and butterflies, but um, you, you want to, as soon as you are the best spouse, you'll probably find the best spouse. Um, get gussied up, you know? Look good. Yeah, Paul says don't let your adornment merely be from outward, you know, earrings and dresses. He's not, he's not downplaying dresses and, and earrings. He's saying don't let it only be an outward adornment, but from that, that inward heart, that beautiful heart before the Lord. Um, John always says, can I, can I say that? The, oh, tell them that story. Yeah, they'll love that one. Okay. This is, this is John Eckert. <clears throat> now, when men go hunting, oh, yeah. there you go. 
they, they don't go hunting for cows. Because you can just walk up to a cow and shoot it in the face. <laughs> they go hunting for pheasants. Because pheasants are, they're, they're hard to find, hard to hunt, and you shoot them and it's like a prize. And so, he says, be a pheasant. Be, some, be someone that is huntable, that's pursuable. So he says, ladies, don't be cows, be pheasants. Yeah, again, there's no offense intended in any of these statements. I just think it's a really funny way to put it. Well, and there really is a principle to that. Just, you know, do what God's called you to do and, and, and keep going along that pathway, you know, with a positive attitude and... You know, like he said, the very best version of yourself. Have Look beautiful. Fun. Have, Have fun. fun. Guys like girls who are having fun. Without them. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, she really doesn't need me. I want that one. Okay, how about one more? Um and I think a lot of times I think we're so afraid of of making a mistake or, or breaking up with someone if it doesn't seem to be going the right way. But um, I always like to do the what if scenario where you go, okay, what if, and then, you know, so what if we did break up? What if, what if this didn't work out? Or what if this isn't my husband? Well, it opens up this whole new world of possibilities. Learn a language, go to Europe. And, and listen, if this is not, or what if, <laughs> I went to Africa. Oh look, my husband was in Africa. He was a doctor. <laughs> Italy. <laughs> exactly. Or you go out with a guy who's not your husband who happens to be best friends with the guy that is your husband. Ayo! Come on. It all works out. But the, the, the point is, is that you're out there. You're dating. Okay, how, how do you do it? That's not the reason you go out with him. She's saying you know, you proximity. Go, you go out with girlfriends. You go to restaurants. You go uh, to the museum. You go to places where single men are. You know, but don't fish in a don't listen. Don't fish in ponds where unbelievers are hanging out. Yeah, I, there was this Facebook article that Jeremy and I saw today, and it was like ten ten guys Christian women shouldn't date, and it's like the abusive guy, but this guy. We're like, well, nobody should date that guy. <laughs> ten guys, no one should date. The unmotivated guy. The guy living with his mother. Hey, that's, you know what? Sometimes, Whoa, sometimes, that's, that's just a season. <laughs> no, but I mean, the unmotivated guy is the guy that just, if, anyway. If you've been there, you know. <laughs> Okay, what was number seven, Ashley? Or did I can't remember, Mama Man. Anyway, the fish in the right pond. Fish in the right pond. You know what I'm talking about. How do you talk to waiters? Listen, there are even uh, like online dating, Christian dating. I mean, come on. It's it's still you're still in a community. It's online, but there's a community, and you can put up like the best picture of yourself, <laughs> or a picture of mom. Whatever gets the word. Don't do that. Oh, you'll get like a 60-year-old man. That's not true. All right, that's a 57. <clears throat> 57. Anyway, there's, uh, there are basically no reasons not to date. There are no reasons not to get married, okay? There's no reasons, no kind of planning, none of that. 
You know, it's just not, just go for it. Get out there and get it done. So long as they're not the abusive, yeah, yeah, we have right. that. Okay. Oh. Do you want me to answer this one? Okay, this is this is a good one. Um, is this gonna be the last one? Last one. Because okay, we're gonna do this, and then we're gonna spend like three minutes. I want the Holy Spirit to do some healing in our hearts from what we've said tonight. <laughs> um, if you're a first-time visitor, please know that we are very Jesus-centered. <laughs> okay. Um, how do you differentiate between knowing that you love someone um, and knowing that you're in love? with someone. So, loving or being in love. Um, and then what's a biblical scripture that we could know the difference between loving someone and being in love with them? Um, okay, a few things. This is this is my opinion. I do not have a doctorate. Um, but being in love is a flood of chemicals and endorphins coming from your brain flooding your body and you feel the butterflies and you feel the great tingly, you feel all the anticipation and the excitement and, and I would say that being in love are the high points on the ocean of love. Okay? You're so good. Okay, so I will love Ashley always, but we have seasons where we are in love. And we have seasons where we love each other, but it's, it's not that easy. Um, is that okay, baby? Okay. Three babies in two and a half years. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's wonderful. Because they're in love. <laughs> and here's, here's the verse. Uh, love, the greatest love is sacrifice. You know that you love someone when you're ready to lay down your life, when you're ready to lay down your priority, when you're ready to lay down what you think is the greatest goals and future of your life, when you're ready to lay it down in preference for someone else's greatest adventures in their life. Okay? And I can give you scripture for that. It's Genesis 22:2, the very first mention of love. Abraham, take the son whom you love and sacrifice him. The very first time love is mentioned in the Bible, it is paired up with sacrifice. So there will be times when you lay down your life for your husband. There will be times when your husband lays down his life for you. And this is uh, another scripture, Ephesians 5:22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay, a few verses down. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having been cleansed by the washing of the water of the world. So both of those verses are your job description, and they both mean die to yourself. Wives, submit to your husbands, which means that there will be times when you are dying to yourself because they might have a stupid idea. <laughs> or sometimes you just don't understand, but they have been gifted with wisdom from God to lead the family. And you just have to go with it. It's just what the Bible says. And I make no apologies for it. Because what's directly followed up is the husband's job description. Die for her. Die for her. As Christ died for the church. Lay your life down for her. 
I'm not sure that's what the question was, but you did a great job yeah, of answering the, the difference between dating. love and being in love. Yeah, no, but I think it applies to dating. But that was a good answer. Objection, spirit, go. <laughs> better go Ooh. it was great it was great uh, you will be back up here with the marriage and parenting talk on Sunday um, but this is really about how do you know when you're in love when you're dating or whether it's just love okay Ashley you want to hit that or do you want me to you okay this is how you know this is what my mother told me which made absolutely no which sense is what my time. mother told me it, right? And it makes absolutely no sense at the time, but it does when you're in love. And so I said, Mom, how do you know you're in love? Unfortunately, I asked that with my first marriage and not my second. Um, but if you ask the question, how do you know you're in love, then you're probably not. Because how do you know you're in love? You just know. You cannot define it. There's not a five-step process to it. There's not any way to look it up in the dictionary.com. You, with your whole heart, know that this person completes you. They are the perfect, I mean, you, all you want to do is, is breathe them in, listen to everything they say, think they're, you think they're the funniest person, all you want to do is spend all your time with this person. They have captured your heart. Now, on the other hand, when you love someone, you love them, you admire them, you think they're great, you like spending time with them, um, you think they're funny, you know? But that longing, that spark, that thing that um, Eros love is just, it's just not there. But the respect and the admiration and all of that is, but it's not the same. And I agree, totally. Um, one of the things I was trying to say at the beginning with the the in love feeling and that flood of endorphins and chemicals from your brain. Um, there is, there are people that actually get addicted to being in love. It is a, a documented addiction and they become serial daters and heartbreakers because what they love is being in love and they don't love the person, they love the feeling. And, and you have to know that sometimes the butterflies and the warm tingly feelings won't be there. But your love will still be there. Yeah, there's a deepening. And I think every every married couple in here understands that. There's a deepening of love. And even in a dating relationship. Because usually the first three months is like, rocket ship! And then you get into yay. this, yay! And then you get into this, the deeper, and like you go into the second gear, and it's like even better. It's deeper, it's richer, it's, it's um, okay, wider. Go. <laughs> so, I remember when um, I'd been very wounded, and Jeremy, the first we'd been dating for about five months. The first time he told me that he loved me, I said thank you, and and I and, and, and I was really yeah, this time was very bad. Anyway, very quickly, um, I remember trying to figure out like I knew that I. I I kept seeing myself with him in the next six months, next, and, I, and I didn't, I didn't want to lose him, and I didn't want to live without him, and it had been a long time, and so I, you know, I took the jump and, and I said it, and and I realized it was real because, you know, kind of like what Mom was saying, you just kind of, you just know, but also just because, 
my life was playing out and he was in it. My, you know, I, and for me personally, I'd never had that before where, you know, six months in advance, I was making plans. A year in advance, I was making plans yeah. in my head, in my life. Yeah, you want to have their baby. You sing that song. Have you baby? My mom's been wanting me to have grandchildren since I was like 18, so. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, sorry if we went long. This is just really fun. We hope you guys had fun tonight.